What do the Utah Utes need to do to beat the Oregon Ducks? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We greatly appreciate it. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Appreciate all of you who have subscribed to the show, too. We are almost at 600 subscribers, so love interacting with you guys in the YouTube comments and appreciate if those who aren't subscribed yet could subscribe at Locked On Utes. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash College. That's LinkedIn.com slash College to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And joining me today is a former host of this podcast, not the one who I normally have on. Another guy, too, who if you guys are just around, if you guys follow Utah sports, you see him pretty much everywhere. It seems like he has a million things going on, but he made time to come on our show today, and we greatly appreciate it. Jake Hatch, also the host of Locked On Coos, joining us. Jake, appreciate you jumping on. And this is an interesting game for Utah, and I'm glad I could have you on for this one, too, because you've already seen Oregon this season, and you got Oregon when they really started to turn things around. I mean, sure, they beat Eastern Washington after they lost to Georgia. Like, I love the big sky. Shout out big sky getting game day. But what does that really mean? But then against BYU, against you guys, it was the 41 to 20 thrashing in that one. So you saw this Oregon team up close. So I'm curious for you, what did you see in that game against Oregon that you felt like really got them to start to click and get it rolling and where things really went right for Oregon? Well, first off, it's good to be back on Locked On Utes. I'm sure there's some longtime listeners slash uh, viewers that have not seen or heard my voice in a minute. So thanks for having me back on. But to your point, JT, the thing about it is BYU, when they went into that game against Oregon, I, I think most BYU fans are like, okay, this Oregon team just got demolished by Georgia. You mentioned that they, they blew the doors off Eastern Washington, but we didn't necessarily know what to make of Oregon at that point. I remember I recorded Spencer McLaughlin. I know that you know him well, locked on ducks as well as locked on pac 12. We had that conversation going into that game and he was terrified of BYU's chances in terms of dominating the line of scrimmage and being able to control the action in this game. And BYU went into that game and just got absolutely pummeled left, right and center by the Oregon ducks. And that kind of set the stage in many ways for what Oregon has done uh, this season so far. And at the same time, it kind of pretended what BYU ultimately would, how they would pan out sitting about, 500 on the year right now that that's the thing about this this Oregon team they're legit they're going to be a very very stiff test for Utah but at the same time the Utes they have really really rounded it in form and that performance against Stanford makes me think that they've got more than a fighting chance going into Autzen yeah, they really have around in a form. It's really, Utah got really lucky, in my opinion, how the schedule kind of breaking out. You know, you had that rough stretch of UCLA versus USC, make it out one and one, which I still think is a win. I know UCLA just had a tough loss to Arizona, but that's kind of one of those losses I compare like the last year's Utah loss to Oregon State. The better team lost that game. And on that day, Arizona was just better than them, which we Arizona had a lot of talent. They're capable of doing that. So then you get the break. You get teams like Washington State, which you didn't even need Cam to beat, Arizona, then Stanford to kind of tune things up if you're Utah. And now you're ready to go going into this game. So looking at kind of the keys to victory for the Utes, starting on the offensive side of the ball for Utah, 
Cam Rising needs to be the Cam we saw against USC for Utah to win this game. I mean, look, this Oregon team does not give up many yards on the ground. They average just over 100. It's 109, I believe, actually, on the ground. So it's going to be hard for Tavion Thomas and this offensive line to have a similar performance they had against Stanford. They're just simply not going to get the same level of push. So Utah is going to find themselves in second and long and third and long situation and needing to get those yards through the air. And Cam has... I thought Cameron was another step in the right direction for him. You can tell he's not right. He got nicked up against USC and is still clearly hampered by something. But as he continues to take those steps and get back ready and forward, and I thought last week was a nice step, especially the throw he had to Devon Vele in the right corner of the end zone. That was a beautiful dime. And it does feel like with Dalton kind of getting back in the fold and getting some game action in, he clearly wasn't healthy either. Utah needed those guys to be studs. I don't think they need 200 yards from Dalton Kincaid to win this game, but Look, this is an Oregon team that does through the air. They they give up over 289 yards passing. They gave up over 400 to Washington last week. And this Utah offense isn't quite as ex- explosive as explosive as the one the Huskies have, but they have been proven capable of moving the ball through the air. We've seen what Devon can do. Money Parks, Jalen Dixon have made a couple plays so far on the air. Thomas Yasmin starting to come in the fold a little bit, and of course Dalton if he is back and ready to go. So I think if Utah is going to beat Oregon, Cam Rising has to be the MVP of this game. Well, and that's that's the that's the point I was going to make is that Michael Penix Jr. last week made Oregon's defense look completely silly. If Utah wants to win this game, you got to have Cam Rising do something similar. Yeah, maybe he doesn't need to go for 400 yards. And that, I know that Utah's offense, they got Tavion Thomas, who's more than capable of really uh, toting the rock and being very effective in the run game. But the weakness of this Oregon team is the pass game. Uh, even going back to that BYU game, I know BYU got absolutely smoked, but the one thing they were having success doing in that game was throwing the ball on Oregon's defense. Uh, you can go back and rewatch the tape. So yeah, if you, if you, if you as a Utah fan want to see the Utes win this game, you got to have cam rising. Like you mentioned, play like he did against USC. He's got to be the quote unquote man in this game. And if he does that, uh, Utah's got a really, really good shot at getting that win up up there on the road. I think the nice thing for Utah too is look, I mentioned Utah's going to have trouble moving the ducks in terms of the running game, but this is an Oregon team that look, they have one guy who has six sacks, but Look, this Utah offensive line doesn't allow Cam to get sacked very much. So I do think they're going to be able to hold up in pass protection. I think with Makai Bernard getting back and getting a little healthy too, we know what a receiving option he is out of the backfield, had 57 yards this past weekend, made a couple of really big plays in the passing game. And he's also Utah's best pass protecting block back. And we know what Tavion Thomas, in terms of a, just a big body, can kind of get in the way and impede the path of some of those guys too. So I do feel like Utah will be able to keep Cam upright for those kind of three to four seconds. You need to really be able to deliver a throw and as you mentioned I think these receivers can get open downfield but it is going to fall on the offensive line to be able to stop the Ducks but there's no Kayvon Thibodeau on the other side this year and that's the thing I remember talking to Spencer McLaughlin in the lead up to that BYU Oregon game and he talked about the fact that he's like Oregon doesn't have a pass rush and they really don't you mentioned they have I remember who has the six sacks but they have not been what they typically have been along the defensive front. Yeah, they're stout against the run, but their overall ability to generate pass rushing and harass an opposing quarterback, it's not up to the standard that Oregon would like to have. So if if Utah's offensive line plays like they've been capable of playing the last four or five games where they've been absolutely elite in my mind, I, I've really enjoyed watching them do their thing. They have the capability to really control this. And that's going to be a big key in this game. I guess another uh, key, to the ga- key to a win for Utah is control the action. Control yeah. the time of possession, the overall number of possessions. If you dictate the terms this game will be played on, it's going to be obviously an advantage for Utah. 
It was uh, DJ Johnson, by the way, was the okay. guy that I escaped my mind for a second. He was kind of the guy who was opposite Thibodeau last year, only had one sack, but was very much more disruptive than that. So this year kind of been able to get more of that production. He's the guy the Utes are going to have to really worry about. But, uh, you know, the very first week of the season, Braden Daniels had his hands full with uh, Brian Cox Jr., the Florida yeah. defense. He's actually not even with the program anymore. This is kind of how things have kind of got off the rails for a Florida team that talk about a week one overreaction. We thought that team was going to be really dominant this season. Maybe not dominant, but do a lot of things and be able to upset a couple teams in the S. CC and they've gotten a few wins, but have not been them anywhere near the same team. But either way, Braden's been awesome at left tackle, and it feels like no matter who's at center, this Utah offensive line is going to be able to hold up, and it's going to be fun to see if they can go out there and, like you mentioned, control the time of possession. If Cam can be the best quarterback on the field, Bonix has been really good, and Bonix is coming in this game a little injured as well. So we, I guess, 100% don't know if he's going to play. I fully expect him to play. He's a warrior. I think he's going to tough it out. He's having a great season. It's going to be tough for Utah to stop him. We talked about on yesterday's show how Utah really needs to try to slow down and affect Bo Nix. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on that as well as how this Utah defense needs to go about stopping the Ducks offense. We're going to talk about that next. But first, want to talk to you guys a little bit more about LinkedIn Talent Solutions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Guys, I use LinkedIn all the time to be able to network with friends as well as keep up with some of the people in the industry and keep track of some of the jobs that I'm going after. Make sure you guys head over and add your purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs the number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. Also, if you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, make sure you guys head over and check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the take of the day, the biggest stories, the biggest news. It's all there. Locked On Sports Today has you covered. Check it out daily on the on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcast. So Jake, coming back into this one, when you're talking about stopping this Oregon offense, it's got to be Bo Nix. And we talked about coming in a little banged up in this one. And look, Washington was able to get the win last week, but it's not like they really stopped Oregon. It was 37 to 34 and Oregon did outgain them 592 yards overall in that one. They ran for 312 yards, only a through for 280, which is actually a little bit below what they average on the season. One thing that just hurt Oregon was their third down efficiency. They were seven for 14 in those situations. And just some of those turnovers ended up kind of hurting them later on in that game. It felt like, but for this Oregon team, I really feel like the biggest thing is kind of containing Bo Nix and especially this, just the explosiveness of this offense. When you're talking about guys like Troy Franklin, what they're able to do at the receiver spot, the, this, they got a lot of weapons and they really have a strong offense. So you got to be locked in and ready to go. And I think, the biggest thing for me I talked about is you need to be able to get pressure with four. You're not going to sack Bo Nix. He's only been sacked. To, I, someone said three. I looked it up and saw one. So either way, you're not really going to be able to get to Bo Nix overall. So I think you just got to be able to get pressure on him. And you got to do it with four because you've got to be able to drop seven, have those guys hold up on the back end. Also, I'm really excited to see Clark Phillips face off with Troy Franklin in this one. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Well, and that's the thing about this is all of uh, Oregon's hopes and dreams they, they reside on what Bo Nix can, can generate. That's the thing about going, coming into the season. I wasn't sold on Oregon because I was like, Bo Nix, you watched him at Auburn, everybody? Like, he's, he's not that good, but he's proven 
It's a roller he coaster. Is, he's a fantastic quarterback. At least he has been this year. And that's yeah. been a really, really good thing. Now, that injury concern, I, I remember I, I watched that game. He takes that hit, and you're like, what in the world just happened? And then they bring in uh, Ty Thompson, the backup quarterback, and just run the ball with him. They didn't uh, apparently believe in his arm enough to throw the football in that circumstance. That's the thing about this. However healthy or unhealthy Bo Nix is, it's going to play a massive, massive role in this game because if he's healthy, he's capable of leading Oregon to a win. But if he is less than 100%, Utah's got to be thinking they're lucky stars because the other guys on the offense for Oregon, they're decent players, but none of them are the Michael James uh, of yesteryear for Oregon. They don't have that 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 dude on offense that can kill you. But if Bo Nix, if he's less than 100%, that's a huge win for Utah on defense. What do you think about this Oregon offensive line? Because this is what the Ducks are known for, whether you're talking yeah. about the Panay Sewells of the world and all of the other all-world talent they have. They actually have a guy, uh, Jackson Powers, who we know from covering high school football out here, from Corner Canyon player, who's been able to start there in just his second year, which is insane and done a really good job for them too so this is a loaded ducks offensive line how do you feel like utah will fare against them because i feel like there are going to be situations where utah is going to be able to slow them down in the rushing attack but as i mentioned i just think they're gonna have a really hard time getting to bow next because this group is so strong in pass protection and don't get it twisted i do expect look utah holds teams to under 121 yards i do expect the ducks to get more than that in this game they're too strong of an offensive line running backs are also a lot better than what the cardinal or just in general what the utes have faced these last few weeks but i do think the Utes can make some big plays, especially with the way the interior of the Utes defensive line is playing right now, whether that's Junior Tafuna, who hasn't had the season kind of from a pass rushing standpoint, we hope, but is still an elite run defensor, defender. And then my words, Samote Peppa and Aliki Vaimahi are just playing unbelievable football right now. Well, and that's the thing about it is the, the, the interior of Utah's defensive line has been very, very good, and the future looks extremely bright. It's with the three guys you mentioned, Peppa, Tafuna, and Vimahi, all of them fantastic players and I, I i think frankly that they are future nfl guys every single one of them but the thing about this oregon's offensive line's elite they they are a, they were rated as a top five back. offensive line coming into the season they have played like that uh i remember i think it was jeff shorts the former oregon duck himself he tweeted out in that washington game when washington sacked bo Nix late in that game he said it was the first sack that the oregon offensive line had given up they may have given he may have been sacked a couple other times like you mentioned you saw that he's been sacked three times People don't get at Bo Nix. This offensive line has done an elite job making sure to keep him as clean as possible and obviously allow that run game to do what it does. So Utah, their defensive line is is capable of going toe-to-toe with these guys. I'd probably still give the nod just ever so slightly to Oregon's offensive line. But the thing about this, you mentioned the fact Utah's got to be able to at least generate some pass rush and some pressure with those four guys. Cause if you have to bring five, six, seven guys to generate that pass rush, that's going to really hurt Utah's chances in this game. They've got a good secondary Clark Phillips. He's the next great Utah cornerback going to the NFL. But outside of him, I don't feel like Utah necessarily has an elite, um, core of guys in terms of one-on-one coverage. I, I love RJ Hubert. I love guys like uh, Sione Vaki. I, I like JT Broughton. I, I like all those guys. But in terms of their ability to hold up one-on-one in a cover zero situation against yeah. Utah, against the athletes that Oregon has, that's a dicey proposition. So yeah, any pressure you can generate with four, maybe five guys will be absolutely critical. 
It's true because, like you said, that's what happened against USC. Is those guys do a really good job, but it's just so hard. They're not there. There's a reason only Clark walked on senior, and RJ did too. Sure. But we're talking to him more at the safety spot. Those other yeah. guys do a really good job at the corner spot, but they're not capable of being first round draft picks. They're not going to hold up by themselves on an island for ten for five seconds over yeah, five. Not, seconds. not yet, at least. Yeah. Yeah, not yet. Exactly. So I think they have done a good job this year. But to your point, exactly. They just it's so hard to cover for that long, and it's why Utah has to be able to get home with four. And if you want to get a little exotic on some of those third downs you can afford to do that but you can't be predictable and every single time you're going to have to bring six in order to get home and it's going to be interesting to see if utah is able to do that i think the last thing i really want to talk about as it relates to this game is just dan lanning i think it's a fascinating turnaround for him you look at him i college football scheduling can be very frustrating sometimes because you have so many bad games and one of the things that makes the nfl so exciting is we get the top teams that uh face off against each other and it just worked out amazing that in week one we got dan lanning going back to play the team he had just left the sideline of in georgia and look georgia absolutely throttled them um i joined you mentioned spencer mclaughlin uh host of locked on ducks i joined him on his show and I mean, he thought the sky was falling. The season was pretty much over in terms of anything relating to the college football playoff. And now, yes, now that's over for Oregon after this most recent loss to Washington. But it really is amazing the job Dan Lanning has done turning around this program. I was, I always thought he was a really good hire, and that's someone who was a, a huge fan as of well as of what Mario Cristobal built with the Ducks teams too. And I think he's going to eventually get it turned around in Miami, although that's been a little bit of a rough go this year. But I do think for Dan Lanning, I think he's done a really good job with this team, and they're setting themselves up to be a thorn in the side of Utah and all the other Pac-12 contenders for a long time to come because of the culture he's already established in year one. Well, and that's the thing about it is he he came in and embraced everything that Oregon is, and uh, it, it's not for everybody. Let's be real; yeah. like it, it's a it's a really it's tight. a pressure cooker situation because you got Phil Knight who wants nothing more before he kicks the bucket than to see the Ducks win a national championship. He has yeah. pumped literally billions with a B into yeah. that university in the in the hope that he can see them win a national title in football. Can Dan Lanning uh, get to that level? I think he's capable of doing that. It's not necessarily quite yet. But he's got a really, really young, dynamic staff around him. And that's the interesting part about this is this is a young coaching staff going up going up against a really wily veteran in what Kyle Whittingham and the, the staff that Kyle Whittingham's got. This is a very veteran group of coaches. There's a big X's and O's battle between these coaches in this matchup. Will the young Bucks, speaking of Dan Lanning, get the better of Whittingham? Or will Kyle do what he typically does? And that is, hey, you're a good coach, but watch me do my thing, son. I'm, I'm going to show you a thing or two. <laughs> That's definitely what it feels like. It's going to end up coming down to it this one. I do feel like Coach Witt and this group are going to be able to get it out, but man, it's going to be a battle because it always is at Eugene. It's one of the toughest oh, places yeah. to play in the conference. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see how it all played out. Uh, Jake, you mentioned billions with a B. Uh, something our listeners can do to make billions with a B is go to Bet Online. Bet Online has you guys covered. It's the number one spot for sports betting info this season with stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer, esports. We've got it all at Bet Online. You guys know with college football, basketball coming back, college football, NFL deep in the swing of things, NBA. It's a great time to be a sports fan right now, and there's no place better to get on the action than at Bet Online. It's the easiest way to get in on your betting fix. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we talked about it a little bit yesterday, Jake, but uh, looking at the line for this game, it's still minus three in favor of the Ducks. How do you feel about that? I look at that line, and with our friends at Bet Online, obviously, they have that, that, that line typically three points is given to the home team. 
I would say that's a pretty fair line overall because it says on a neutral field, it'd probably be a, a, a head-to-head. It'd be a pick em type game. Yeah. And, but I just got, I've got this feeling that Utah's got something cooked up here and we'll see how it shakes out. Especially with the health of Bo kind of mm-hmm. ideas. Oh, yeah. He's going to play, but he's not going to this game 100% healthy. This could be the game where it's kind of like all the doubters are like, there's the old Bo Nix back because he ends up throwing three interceptions, let's say. But it's because he's not healthy. His team falls behind. And he's just trying to force things and make plays and reverts to some of those old tendencies. So I, I'm leaning that way as well with you. We'll have some time to break that line down more later in the week on Locked On Utes. But as always, we greatly appreciate Bet Online for sponsoring this segment. Now, Jake, jumping back into this Utah football team and stepping away from this game in particular, look at the overall, the big picture. We're going to get our second edition of the college football rankings tonight. So by the time you guys hear this show, it will already be out for Utah. They're sitting there up at 13 at the moment. I do feel like they're going to jump UCLA. I think you look at UCLA having two more recent losses and especially the one against Arizona and look, UCLA did do a good job beating Utah, but it's also a game at the Rose Bowl Stadium in their territory. And I feel like Utah at this moment is just simply put playing better football right now. So I feel like Utah's going to jump up to 12 in this one. I feel like they stay ahead of Penn State. There's a lot of people who are thinking that Penn State might be able to knock them off. I also feel like Utah gets ahead of Ole Miss. And I know Ole Miss's second loss only came against Alabama, so it's a really good second loss for sure. But I'm looking at how these teams are playing right now. And I love Jackson Dart, but I feel like you got to reward this Utah team for what they've done. So I expect this Utah team to be knocking right on the door. And I think by the time everyone is here in this show, they'll be at 11. Yeah, I can see that. And that, that seems pretty, pretty logical for them to do that. The one thing I will, I will caution everybody out there. Never expect the, 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 I guess the, the status quo or the normal yes. with this college football playoff. So they have proven over the years that they will do things their own way. And they don't give a rat's, you know, what about what anybody thinks about how their methodology works or what they think. So that'll be the interesting part about this. I, I just think the natural progression of things, Utah will be yeah, right outside. Or I, I frankly, I can see them moving up to as high as 10. I, I yeah. can see that happening just if, depending on how the playoff committee decides they want to go about things. But the good news is if you're a Utah fan, the everything outside of the college football playoff is still on the table for the Utes. You can still make the Rose Bowl, and obviously making the Rose Bowl last year was a big deal. You want to go win that game. There is still so much to play for if you're Utah. They just got to handle their business. If they keep rolling here, they win at Oregon, they beat Colorado, which I think is a foregone conclusion. Yep. You're sitting pretty, and you're headed to Las Vegas more than likely in that Pac-12 title game. Yeah, it definitely feels that way. And I think Utah then should be rooting for USC to continue to win because basically it's a win-win scenario if you run into USC because as much as we're talking about all these different scenarios, who's in, who's out, it's actually a lot of fun this year because there are a ton of great scenarios for the Mm -hmm. Final Four. And it's why this is a great year, the college football playoff, to expand to 12 teams, in my opinion. But we're going to get this soon. Yeah, let's just for, let's just avoid the whole five way tie top the pack twelve. Yes. <laughs> we don't want that. That's the one thing I, I will I will just say I do not want to see that. <laughs> we'll be keeping Josh Furlong up all night trying to make one of his flow charts to track everything and yeah. see all the different scenarios that uh that end up playing out. But in that scenario, if Utah was to see a USC team that just beat UCLA and handed them, let's say their third loss by the time we get past this Saturday. Basically, Pac-12 championship, no matter what, for Utah, because I expect USC to win out the rest of the way. So in that scenario, if Utah, if USC beats Utah, they're a one-loss conference champion who just avenged their only loss of the season. They're not missing out on the playoff, no matter what the other teams do. In my opinion, there's a lot of people who have some pushback to that because they haven't looked as dominant, maybe, as some of the other ones. But at the end of the day, I just don't see you leaving out a one-loss one loss conference champion. I think that's what I missed up on. It's a non-conference champion. One-loss conference champion who avenged their only loss of the season. And then you look at it for Utah, if they're able to just win, and they're in the Rose Bowl. It's simple as that. 
Yeah, that, that, that's that's the best part about this is everything is still out there for Utah to play for. There, there, there is not, there's no door that's been closed on the Utes at this point. And any of you that had aspirations of Utah making a college football playoff run, great. Okay, that door has been closed. But that's never been, for me, watching uh, Utah as much as I do for my radio job, that was never the goal. Making it back to the Rose Bowl and winning the Rose Bowl. That, that for me, that's the crowning achievement of what Utah can do, I think. And it should have been the goal from the get-go here is make it to that Rose Bowl. The playoff, it's an invitational. They they, they, they right. bring in the teams that they want. Utah, they're not necessarily the team that I think the playoff committee is, is all that hyped for. Like, look at the conversation around TCU. TCU, yeah. Utah, former Mountain West rivals, et cetera. People are like, eh, TCU, really? And they really, yeah. What they're one of the four. No one watches them. They absolutely are. People just need to go watch them. (laughs) Yeah, but like I said, this is it's an invitational. The playoffs an invitational, and they want it's a TV property. They want the biggest, sexiest names they can get. So if they can force TCU out and jam somebody else in there, that's going to bring more eyeballs. You can guarantee they will do it. That's the same thing for Utah. Go to the Rose Bowl. Go play on January. I think it'll be January two this year because they they move it off. Yes, right. It's January two. But go play in the Rose Bowl. The, the Rose Bowl is like the, the the epitome of what college football greatness is all about. Now the only thing you need to do, go win the game. That that's but you got to handle your business ahead of time. There's no doubt about that. You got to win the next three games to make it yep. to that level. You do, and it's fun because as you mentioned, everything's on the table for Utah. Unfortunately, Jake, everything is not on the table still for the team you cover, the BYU Cougars. And I think we had a show early on um, in August about who would win in a hypothetical game between Utah and BYU. I, of course, picked Utah. You, of course, picked BYU. But there's a reason BYU came into the season ranked. All the things I could do. Got that big win on Baylor at home, too. Awesome scene, pandemonium there. And then after that, things just really came off the rails. And I think there are a lot of Utah fans who haven't watched this BYU team. I'm sure there are a number of them who have just enjoyed watching them lose but i know me in particular i'm very curious where do you think things really went wrong for this byu team this season that had such high expectations and at one point seemed capable of achieving them well that's the thing about it is they had uh, so much hype i actually honestly believe they started believing in their press press clippings they started listening to the outside noise it got in their head and it affected them have their have their players the veteran laden squad that byu had have they played up to their expectations absolutely not they're five and five right now they suffered a four game losing streak they went over in the month of october i know i'm not, I'm not saying anything that utah fans out there listening and or watching this did not see themselves but this byu team the defense the schemes the overall just uh the the want to on defense after that baylor game they kind of just were coasting and they got their tails kicked up and down the field multiple times. Kalani Satake finally stepped in and took over the defense and it's yielded a better product. It's not perfect by any means. And there still needs to be plenty of changes made, obviously talent upgrades, probably some coaching changes in the off season. But the one thing Kalani did is he came in and gave BYU a clearly identifiable identity on defense. And that helped them win that game against Boise State and snap that slide. So, yeah, BYU, they're probably going to end up six and six, seven and five at the best at the end of this year. And they go to a bowl game and see if they can make it eight and five. But, yeah, nothing really has gone according to plan down in Provo. It hasn't this year, unfortunately, but there's a lot of time to turn that around for recruiting all these things we talked about. There's a lot going on. And Jake, you have a ton going on. So outside of Lockdown Cougs, people do want to continue to keep up with you because it has been so great having you back on the show. Where can they check you out at? 
Uh, yeah, you can see my Twitter handle right below here. If you're watching on YouTube, it's Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter. Love to uh, hear from you guys. If you want to hear anything about BYU, I know that it's a Utah podcast, but if you want some stuff on BYU, check out Locked On Cougars, wherever you get your podcasts, also on YouTube. And if you want to listen to my hot takes on all things sports, Jazz Utes, Cougars, Aggies, all of that, we do that every single morning with DJ and PK on the KSL Sports Zone. Make sure you guys go over and check all that great stuff out from Jake. Great, Jake, great having you on again. Appreciate you coming on, my friend. Anytime, my man. Talk to you soon. For sure. If you guys are in the market for a second, listen every day. Once again, Locked On Sports Today has you covered. Take of the day. All the great analysis of the biggest games, the biggest recaps, the take of the day. Locked On Sports Today has you covered. Once again, big thanks to Jake Hatch for joining us on today's show. Make sure you guys keep it here with Locked On Utes because we've only begun to break down this massive showdown against the Oregon Ducks.